This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 224, Uninsured and Loving It, with CEO of Crowd Health, Andy Schoonover. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. There's going to be a crazy awesome interview with a guest, but I want to wait on introducing him for just a moment because uh, I want to make a, I guess, a distinction again. One of the tools that we specialize in at our firm, Lake Growth, involves a life insurance product. And life insurance can either be issued by a publicly traded company or a mutually owned company. And I'm, I see that as a crucial fundamental distinction. One in which is either a company funded and operated by and owned by strangers, which is the publicly traded company, or one that's funded, operated, and maintained for the policy holders and by the policy holders. That's what we refer to as a mutually owned life insurance company. It's, it's a, I can't describe it any other way. It's fundamentally a different view of how to manage and run a financial institution like a life insurance company. And it took a long time for me to understand this concept that they are us. You know, no more do we have to worry about uh, some stranger deciding if they're going to buy and sell my mutual fund today or involve themselves in my finances. No, now I am a co-owner with all the other policyholders in the operation of the increase of our overall value that our policies are bringing to all of us. It's much more like a grocery store co-op, if you've ever experienced something like that. In my conversations with my guest today, we bring up the broken system of health insurance, not life insurance. Today, we're focused on health insurance. Now, doing some research for this, the Kaiser Family Foundation's 2021 Employee Health Benefits Survey shows that annual premiums for employer-sponsored healthcare coverage reached $22,200 this year. Let me say that again. The cost of covering a family for healthcare in this country, the United States, in 2021 reached $22,221. That means, on average, workers contribute about $6,000 for healthcare coverage in 2021, uh, and the employer throws in the rest. And I want to stop there and I want to say, wait a minute. If the employer didn't have to cough up the other $18,000, where do you think they might put that money? Might they put that money in the employee's pocket as a larger payroll? You bet. Might they invest that in growing their business or becoming more profitable? Yes. So $18,000 from the employer, $6,000 from the worker for a total of $22,000, that's a lot of money. Now, what does it buy us? Well, it's increasing in the cost. Yes, the health insurance costs are going up, but are we getting any better value? Unfortunately, I don't think so. In fact, Dr. Mark Napoli writes, the vast majority of people in this country are enjoined in an insurance contract that they never wanted. And CrowdHealth aims to change the terms of this spectacularly bad contract. Again, Dr. Mark Napoli writing there as an MD. So if we're going to fix the financial lives of ourselves, our families, our, our community, our nation, it will have to include the major expense of health insurance. 
And Andy Schoonover, our guest today, is looking for a alternative. And I think he's found one. Andy is the founder and CEO of Crowd Health. It's a community-powered alternative to health insurance that provides a revolutionary way for paying for healthcare bills through crowdfunding. Schoonover was previously CEO of a company called VRI, a healthcare technology company focused on monitoring patients with chronic conditions out of their homes. So he's always been thinking different about the healthcare space. He's also a graduate of the University of Virginia and Stanford's University Graduate School of Business. So take a listen to this wide-ranging interview with Andy Schoonover. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How did you get started in this sort of not-so-average way to do, quote, healthcare? Yeah, so I was running a healthcare technology company a few years back um, and sold that company and it rolled off of it after a couple of years of transitioning it. And me, like many folks, uh, got my insurance through my employer. And so given I wasn't employed anymore, I, I didn't have health insurance. And so I said, okay, well, I thought the only place to go was healthcare.gov. So I went over to healthcare.gov, got a, a plan for me, my wife, and my two girls. And it was 1200 bucks a month. Um, and it worked until I actually had to use it. Um, so my, my little one who was one at the time was having recurring ear infections. So we went to the ear, nose and throat doctor who said that she needed tubes in her ears and uh, headed to the local hospital, assuming that health insurance was going to pay for it and uh, got a 15 minute procedure um, after which we got the bill, uh, $8,000. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I was just blown away by, by the cost of that. But again, I thought, you know, this is what health insurance is for. Thank goodness I'm paying my $1,200 a month. Well, um, about 30 days later, I got a, a, a note via snail mail uh, that said that the procedure my daughter had was medically unnecessary. And so they weren't going to pay for it. Um, so I, I went through two rounds of conflict resolution. They still weren't going to pay for it. And uh, so I had to stroke an $8,000 check to the local hospital. Um, as you imagine, I was pretty ticked off. Um, and so I called my health insurance company. I said, I quit. You know, if you guys aren't willing to, to pay when I need you, then I'm not going to pay you my $1,200 a, a month. And I've been uninsured ever since. And crowd health is really the culmination of the tools that me and my family have used um, to navigate healthcare outside of the traditional health insurance market. You know, crowd health started back in April. We raised uh, a $6 million seed round to give, give folks an opportunity to, to, to live without insurance. I, I might be the only, only person on the, in the country that thinks that more people should be uninsured as opposed to less. Um, I know that's pretty controversial. We can get into it, but I truly believe that. Well, that is a controversial, positively polarizing statement. Andy, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, these statistics are troubling. Uh, you know, it's, I'm reading a Kaiser Family Foundation study in 2015, say that medical bills made 1 million adults declare bankruptcy, and 26% of Americans between 18 and 64 years old struggle to pay medical bills. Uh, according to US Census, that means 52 million Americans are struggling right now to pay their medical bills. Uh, that's an incredible, incredible, sizable amount. So you're right. The current system of insurance for healthcare is broken. Now you say, let's lean into that problem. Yeah, well, the million folks that you just said that went bankrupt, 250,000 of them actually had health insurance, right? So you have 250,000 families every year who have health insurance 
going bankrupt. Wow. Um, and so, you know, and so why is that happening? Deductibles are going way up and most folks don't know what their deductible is. And so if you don't have enough money in the bank to cover your deductible, you don't actually have health insurance. <laughs> you know, the whole point of health insurance is if you have a, a catastrophic event, it won't put you into financial distress. And so when you get families of four or five having six, eight, 10, even maybe higher deductibles, um, 95% of the population, they don't have six, eight, $10,000 in their bank to cover it. And so people are looking what is going out of their pocket on a monthly basis, aren't paying attention to what would go out of their pocket if they have a, a big health event and going into financial distress as a result of, of health insurance. And that really is kind of the core issue that we have is we have, you know, huge, huge deductibles. Um, and that's, that's a problem. Um, and I would argue that, you know, if you were moaning and groaning in 2006, seven and eight about, you know, people getting massive mortgages on very small salaries that ultimately led to a, a pretty serious financial crisis in this country. I think you should be equally as upset about people getting six, eight, ten, twelve thousand dollar deductibles when they only have a thousand dollars in their bank account. That's a problem. But you're right. And also then co-insurance, which might, you know, compel you to pay 20, 40, 60 percent of the overall cost. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so a lot of these plans, once you get over your let's say $5,000 deductible, the plan then co-insures with you. So you're responsible for, usually it's about 20% of anything above $5,000, um, up to an out-of-pocket max, you know? And so as we were talking about this, I think the funny thing is, ultimately it's just really complex. You know, I'm, I'm a fairly intelligent human being and health insurance makes me feel dumb, you know? And that's as we were talking to people is, you don't have a clue how much it's going to cost you when you walk into the hospital. What, what is it? Who, who knows? Right. It's like, it's almost like, you know, somebody shows up and to mow your lawn and then they hand you a $5,000 bill afterwards. And you're like, wait, hold on a second. Like in no other realm of our economy, are we willing to do that? Um, and health insurance, we are because the plans have made it so complex that we really, it's opaque at best and, and muddy more like <laughs> uh, what, what we're actually going to be responsible for. Well, okay. So when you got that bill for $8,000 for a 15 minute procedure for your daughter, and then they declared it, the health insurance company declared it medically unnecessary. What did that feel like? I mean, it felt, it felt awful. I mean, it was like, hold on a second. You're not just trying to, to screw me. It's my family here that we're, we're talking about. You know, I actually, I got the bill and I was like, wow, this is crazy, but at least my health insurance plan is going to pay for it. You know, I get, that's why I'm paying this egregious 1200 bucks a month and, you know, massive deductible. Um, but they, they're like, we're not going to pay for it. We're not going to apply it to deductible. It was medically unnecessary. I assume you did not agree, agree with that conclusion. Right. No, well, my, my daughter actually had a perforated eardrum, which means she had a hole in her ear because of the buildup of fluid yeah. that can't get out because her tubes are too small. Right. Um, the ear, nose and throat doctor um, delayed his vacation by a day to do it because he was still worried about her. Yet somebody in New York City, a thousand miles away from where I live, decide, who wasn't even an ENT, decides that it was medically unnecessary. Mm. I mean, that is egregious. And that's what has really kind of fueled my passion for you know, doing something. Like I said, I've been incredibly um, fortunate. I can write an $8,000 check. Most families can't. And, you know, health insurance plans, you know, putting this on families who can't pay and put them in financial distress. It's just not right. And we need an alternative. 
So how did you go about finding this alternative? You, you don't just wake up one day and just declare it's better to be uninsured. So what happened next? Yeah, I mean, if you take a look at, you know, what are our day-to-day medical needs, healthcare needs? You know, one is we got to go to the doctor. I mean, the great thing about the doctor is I, I went to the doctor, I don't know, five or six weeks ago, and it was 96 bucks. You know, it was like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I can pay for those things. Those things are the ones that I, I can pay for. And so the question then becomes like, how do you pay for the really big ones, right? And that's where I was thinking is like, you know, what? for thousands of years, we've as a community have been able to get together and help people out when they need help, right? And so I was like, if we can get a community of people together um, that are willing to fund some of these healthcare expenses, then that makes a, a ton of sense. It's almost like a GoFundMe, you know, f- just for healthcare expenses. And, and if we can put some incentives in there to help when asked, then we think we have a, a, a really interesting model in which community members are incentivized to help each other because if they help each other, then when they need help, they'll, the, the community members will come and help them. And so there's this sense of reciprocity that makes our, our model work. So what is the model? Take us like, uh, like we've never heard of it before because sure. 99% of us have not. So what is the business model of CrowdHealth? We ask you to make a monthly contribution. So if you're between the ages of six and 54, uh, which most of your listeners probably are, it's 175 bucks a month. It's a little bit more if you're older, a little bit more if you're younger, just because those folks are a little more expensive. You put that money into an account every month. That account is yours. You have rights to that money in that account. But if you have a, an expense greater than $500, an injury or an illness that results in bills that are greater than $500, we will ask other people in the community to give you money. So directly transfer money from their account to your account so that you have money to pay for that knee surgery or whatever it may be. If others in the community have a a bill that they need help with, then we ask you to give them money so that they have the money to to pay the bill. Um, And like I said, the account is yours. So if, if you have an accumulation of funds and you decide to leave CrowdHealth, I give you your money back. It's your money. So in essence, what this is, is it's crowdfunding for healthcare. It's kind of focused on uh, reciprocity within a community. And it and so far, we have been able to fund every single bill from little guys um, like wellness visits to big ones like e- ER visits um, using this model. So it, it seems to be working really well. There's so many things rambling around in my head as I think about what this would be. <laughs> Uh, sure. obviously the, the, the folks who've never heard of this before will instantly say, well, wait a minute, the what ifs come up. Yeah, so sure. maybe you can come up with those what ifs cause you've heard them before. But the first one that comes to my mind is what if John, another member of crowd health decides not to give me some money to cover my daughter's surgery or, you know, my, my, my medical event. So what happens next? If, if John down the street doesn't want to give you money for your medical event, then John actually has a reputation score within the system. So if you're stingy with your money and you never are the one that gives, then when you have a health event, everybody will see that you're the one that never gives. And so probably won't give to you. (laughs) And so there's an incentive then to give. Um, If you give what we ask every single time, you get a hundred score. If you give 50% of the time, you get a 50 score and people will be able to see that when you request funds. Once we get below the, in the mid eighties, you know, it's like school, right? If you, if, If you're getting below a B, mom calls and says, hey, what's going on here? Um, And so there is a, we reach out to the member and say, hey, listen, 
you know, you're, you're, you're below a B, you know, you're, you're in the C territory. Um, I really think you need to reevaluate whether this is good for you and, you know, you can stay if you'd like, but just know that if you have a, a bill, the probability of it getting paid, given that you're not helping anybody else is very low. And so we candidly don't want you to continue to put, you know, money in if you're, you're not willing to help. So that conversation has, is had. Can you give us any idea or reassurance that if I have a major medical problem, um, are there any statistics for how many claims, if that's the right word, are being paid yeah. each month and successfully so? Yeah, 100% of our, our, our uh, bills have been paid. But let me give you an example of a big one. So real story, person goes in with cardiac arrest, sur survives, uh, $500,000 bill. We negotiated it. We have a, an outsourced negotiation firm that helps us. Um, they negotiated it down to $100,000. So 80% off of what it was. And the hospital was, was willing to finance it over two years. So it's basically $4,000 a month for two years um, ish, right? And so if you imagine that you have a, 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 even a small community, let's say a couple thousand people, that's $2 a month that we'll ask you to, to give for that cardiac arrest, big catastrophic event, right? For two years, mm -hmm. right? It is, it is hardly, hardly even dense, you know, you're, you're giving. Um, if you're putting in, 175 bucks, that's, you know, 1% basically of, of your, your giving is going to a big, massive event. And so then the question is like, how, how does that work? Why, why would the, why would the hospital do that? Well, what we're doing is we're adding market forces into healthcare. Um, and I can kind of go on a whole rant around, you know, we, you, you would think United Healthcare and Aetna and all these, these organizations are negotiating for us, but they're not, they're not negotiating for us. And so we have more negotiating power as individuals than United Healthcare and Aetna, some of the biggest you know companies on the planet have, and so that's why we're able to to negotiate and get these bills down you know really significantly. How is this legal? That's the short question. How is any of this legal? Yeah, so we are crowdfunding. You own your own money. We don't touch your money. You know, we ask if we can transfer it from John to Jim, and we can't do that without your permission. So it's your money and your account. You own it. It's it's like a GoFundMe for healthcare expenses. Right. And so that's why, you know, this is legal. Um, there are a number of regulatory things that we can and cannot do. You know, you asked, you know, what is the probability that my bill gets paid? I would say the probability is high, but I can't guarantee it. If I guarantee it, I'm a health insurance company. And the interesting thing about that, right, is, um, you know, regulators say you can't guarantee payment. However, healthcare.gov plans, so plans that you can buy on healthcare.gov, deny one in seven claims. It's not much of a guarantee. Yeah, it's one in five in Texas. It's one in three in Tennessee. So they're saying we will pay your bills, yet they deny between one in seven and one in three claims. You look at something like mine and say, oh, wow, this is, this is a little extra risky, you know? But in reality, you go to healthcare.gov, some of these, these plans are denying literally millions of, of claims that I would argue, you know, should have been paid. Um, and that's really the, the challenge that we have. So, okay. So you just said that how much was it? 175 bucks a month, 175 for, bucks yeah. for most ages. And mm -hmm. then, uh, the $500 quote deductible, we won't call it that, but that's sort of our out of pocket before we tap our savings account that we have in the crowd health system, let's say. And you then, and then there's near, you said earlier, hundred percent of bills are paid. I guess that means either by the, the member themselves or by 
by other members of CrowdHealth, right? So far, 100% of the bills that have been submitted for funding to our crowd have been funded. Amazing. And then, yeah. you, you, then you brought up that there's a, quote, guarantee on health insurance uh, plans with one in five, three, one in three, one in seven on average across this country getting paid. You are getting way more out of the healthcare solution with crowd health than you would say a traditional health insurance program. So why is this so marginalized? Is it just new? Are people just scared to try something new? Is that really what it comes down to, Andy? What, what am I missing here? Well, I think, I think people are scared to try something new. It is their healthcare. It is, it is their finances, right? And, and so people are, are, are a little bit hesitant to, to try something new. Our customers want to be a part of something innovative. Um, they see healthcare.gov as kind of the slow taking of healthcare by the government, um, and they don't want to be a part of that. And so that's why folks are are jumping on to to crowd health. Plus, they see it and they say, "Oh, wow, this makes much more sense for for my family." Understanding that just the way that we structure this is is significantly more efficient than the way health insurance plans. Health insurance plans have lots of money. They're the, the number one or number two lobbyists. I think pharmaceuticals are one and health plans are number two. It's something like that. Um, so they, they put in lots of, of regulatory things that keep innovative things like this out of the market. So we spent you know, lots of money on regulatory attorneys, making sure that we were complying with, with all the laws. Um, and we think we've kind of come up with something that's you know, pretty innovative. And if you're going to outlaw what we do, you have to outlaw GoFundMe and all these other things too, which would be create an uproar. And what about... Uh, there are religious groups that have done similar business models. Can you speak to how this is different? Do you have to sign a statement of faith to join CrowdHealth? No statement of faith, no religious obligations. There's nothing around drinking or those types of things. You know, you can't be totally dumb and, and expect people to pay your, your bills. I think we kind of make a joke in our member guidelines. Like if you jump into a pool of sharks and expect us to pay the bill, like that's not going to happen. Um, you know, so that's great. So there's none of that. Um, and then if I understand correctly, there are only a few pre-existing conditions that exclude somebody. Is that correct? Yeah. And so the only reason um, we would not accept you to the, to the community is um, if you are over 300 pounds, if you're a male, or I think it's 260 or 270 if you're a female, or if you are a smoker. Um, those are the only two limitations. If you have pre-existing conditions, um, we ask you to pay for 100% of your pre-existing conditions in the first year, and then we'll fund up to 25,000 through the community the second year, 50 the third year, and 100 in the fourth year and thereafter. So what yep. if my pre-existing costs me 300 grand every single year for some rare prescription? Would, would we only get 100,000 coverage? We're probably not the right right avenue for you. Okay. You know, and, and we're okay with saying that, you know, it's, it's not for everybody, but we think that the vast majority of people, this can be something that, um, is, is applicable and appropriate for, for you and your family. Love it. And just to clarify. So if I didn't have, let's say a rare form of cancer, and then I joined crowd health. And then a few years later, I did get that unfortunate diagnosis. Mm -hmm. There would be 100% coverage. I shouldn't say the word coverage, but the opportunity would be for me to receive 100% of my bills to be paid for by other members. Is that correct? After the first 500. Yeah. After the first 500 bucks. Okay. Yeah. That's not yeah. 500,000 so dollars. No, 500, no, 500 bucks. bucks. Yeah. Amazing. So let's just say you you come down with leukemia. You know, you join Crowd Health today. You come down with leukemia tomorrow. Uh, you you would commit to paying that first 500 dollars of that leukemia, and then every dollar thereafter, we would go to the crowd to fund for you. 
we, we just ask you to let us negotiate it with the, with the hospital and the doctors. We think we can get those costs down pretty significantly. And that's our only ask from you is to let us negotiate it before we, we ask the crowd to fund it. But, you know, and I think it's important too that, um, you know, health insurance plans are actually incentivized to have your premiums go up. So, you know, in the Affordable Care Act, um, you could, you're maxed out at 15% of premiums could be used for administrative fees or profit. If you think about it, how then do health insurance plans get their income up? Their premiums have to go up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so they're actually incentivized for that. For us, it's a $25 a month membership fee. It's a subscription fee, basically, to give you access to all of the tools that we offer. There is no incentive for us to you know, have premiums to go up. We actually have an incentive for premiums, quote unquote premiums. We don't call them premiums, but we have uh, an incentive for those to go down because the lower I can get them, the more people who will join. And that is just, you know, all the incentives are aligned. You bring back um, the market forces. Bring yeah. back the market forces. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, I, I do think that there's a, a power in decentralization of the health care sharing process that we'll all go through. We all have, we all live in these wonderful bodies, but they're all like, uh, like the universe itself. It's uh, entropy. They all fall apart. So we need mm -hmm. a solution here. And speaking of lowering costs, uh, you have a promo code for folks that want to join crowd health. If, if I uh, remember it's join crowdhealth.com slash 99, the number nine, mm -hmm. nine. Am I, you got it. Is that correct? The monthly contribution for the vast majority of folks is, is $175 for um, the folks who are listening to you and want to, to join us. Um, you can go to, to join crowdhealth.com slash 99 and you'll get $99 a month for six months as opposed to that 175. We know that once you experience it, you're going to love it and you're going to be want to be a lifelong member of, of crowd health. And so it's just an incentive for y'all to get out there and, and give us a try. So um, yeah, 99 bucks a month for six months. That's an incredible opportunity. Thank you, Andy. Uh, guys, having done something like crowd health for almost de a decade now, I can say I have never looked back. I love the experience of sharing my money with someone else who had a you know broken collarbone this week or, or a, a baby born last month, whatever. It's just a refreshing view of sharing in this um, project of life and doing finances a little bit different, which is what this podcast is all about. So Andy, thank you. Uh, you, know, thank you. And again, where, where folks can find you is joincrowdhealth.com slash nine nine. Got it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you again, Andy, for being willing to share just a sneak peek into an alternative way to think and live differently with our healthcare. Uh, again, that's what this podcast is all about. Not necessarily saying everyone should go and do what you've heard on today's episode. Absolutely not. You need to do your own research and due diligence, but don't do something just because everyone else is doing it, whether it's health insurance or crowd health or anything else. Decide for yourself. That's what this podcast really is all about, learning to think and live differently. And just because it's been traditionally set up since World War II to have your employer help cover your health insurance premium, maybe there's a better way. And especially for those of you who are entrepreneurs starting out in business, you might start a little revolution with you, your family, and your potential employees that you bring on someday. It's possible to do crowd health for your business. It's possible to do crowd health for your extended family. What better way to share in the experience of humanity than to split the healthcare costs that we'll all have? We're all going to have it over our lifetime. We might as well think about the very best way to do it 
in both a financially prudent way, but also a full human kind of way. And I think CrowdHealth gives us a shot at doing that very well. So thank you, Andy, for being willing to come on the show, share some of your insights. And thank you, all of you awesome revolutionaries out there for living different, to try new things. No, you're willing to float upstream and to swim against the current. So thank you for your willingness to be a part of this revolution with me. And thank you for joining me this week for Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your healthcare, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.